Hey guys, welcome to the You Make the Scene podcast. My name is Josh, and this is episode number 170. On this episode, I've got an incredible conversation with an up-and-coming artist named Jordan Armstrong. Uh, She is absolutely incredible, only 23 years old, sounding so much beyond her years. Um, And it was just a really cool conversation. We had a lot of a lot of fun talking about kind of where music stems from for her, um, going through Berkeley's College of Music uh, in the songwriters program and things like that. This transition that she's done, you know, finding her space in um, a much more country realm than the pop realm, which is what she was kind of exposed to the most in school and things like that. Um, We talked about the importance of networking and keeping connections because you never know who's going to be able to fill a void for you or, you know, as you're coming up through the industry, matching with people that are at similar levels that are trying to elevate as well so that you guys can partner together and and work forward through all of that. Um, And yeah, we talked about... Again, a little bit of everything, but we discussed her music. Uh, New single is Convenience Store. You can check that out everywhere. And so for now, let's just go ahead and dive into this. This is my conversation with Jordan Armstrong. Uh, So to kick things off, I do start with the same boring-ass question every time. Simple introduction. Uh, Who are you? Little background on yourself and kind of what sparked this journey for you? Totally. Uh, I'm Jordan Armstrong. I'm a singer-songwriter originally from the South Shore of Massachusetts. I now live in Nashville, Tennessee. Um, I guess singing was just an innate thing for me. You know, I was born and I had to do it. So I've been on this journey ever since. And it's not one you choose lightly. So if anyone's just like going out there like, hey, maybe I'll just like be a musician. I would say your heart really has to be in it. Um, But I'm currently singing, writing songs, and living in Nashville, and just enjoying the journey and doing what I can to get out there and be heard, and yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's it's interesting that you say that, because I tell people all the time, you know, through these conversations and whatnot, that if you want to make it as a musician, especially this day and age, be prepared to just be rejected until you don't feel like you can compete ever again. Yeah, no, I mean, I am so fortunate to have the support system I do because gosh, if you're going out out after this and you don't have people in your life that you can come back to that love you unconditionally, it is, it is tough. Sorry, there's thunder and lightning outside my door. So all good. (laughs) All good. Um, So let's talk about, you know, kind of your journey. Like you said, you were born to, to do this, but you know, you, very recently graduated from Berkeley's College of Music, um, recently moved over to Nashville to kind of join the songwriting circles, things like that. What's it like, you know, coming from especially the South Shore area of of Massachusetts to country music and to this heartland, if you will? Mm -hmm. It's funny. I was just writing a song. I just posted a little clip on my Instagram of a song about the East Coast it's definitely a culture shock. It's different. I mean, humor's different. Cussing's different. <laughs> I, I I drop the F-bomb like every other sentence. Not that my dad would be proud, but I do. Um, and so that's, that was, that's difficult coming to Nashville because I'm very dry. I'm raising a family like eat or be eaten. You got to yep. be ready, come back with your own fight, your own argument. So that's definitely been a transition. But I think in many ways, as it has been transitioned, I was like born for country music in the way that I grew up in a small town. I grew up with family surrounding me. A lot of those themes you find in country music is my life experience. So I think it's almost to my advantage that I come down here with a different vantage point than a lot of the artists that are currently in the scene. Like I have something new to say, I have a new way to say it, and I have a different perspective. So as great as it is to go and mimic a career, it's even better to come at it and be something people haven't heard, give them something new to listen to. Well, especially, you know, in this type of space, in the country music space, it is one of the hardest 
comparison spaces that exist in music, right? Like yeah. there is no way for you to come into the scene um, and even remotely kind of mimic someone because you like their sound and mean it as a compliment without the scene going, oh, she's just trying to copy this yeah. person or like, oh, cool. Casey Musgrave did it. So she's got to do it. Like I see yeah. what's going on. Totally. And that's the hardest thing I think as an artist is when people try to compare you to other artists, at least for me. Yes, I have influences, of course. I mean, you can't get to where you are without being influenced by artists, other musicians, but I don't want to be anybody else. So right. to go and put an exact person to give you that example, it's just, it's not natural. It's not what I'm trying to do. I'm trying to be Jordan Armstrong. Yes, Casey Musgraves has greatly influenced me. Yes, Marin Morris has. Yes, all 70s music has. But those are things that just like help me craft my sound. They aren't my sound. And you don't, yeah. like you said, you don't want that. People don't want that. And they don't realize that they don't want another version of that person. So. Yeah, yeah I, I think that's a, a perfect way to put that because, you know, it's so... I think like cover music, right? Like that's a prime example of that, that people initially are like, oh man, it'd be really cool for you guys because you sound like so-and-so if you did a cover and then they do a cover and you're like, mm, no, I didn't like it. Like, yeah, yeah, because it's that's not really what you, you wanted. <laughs> that are going to, you know, Spotify singles is one of my favorite thing is yeah. when they have them come and do the Spotify sessions and you hear these artists like, I don't know, I'm trying to think of a good example. Oh, Casey Musgraves, to bring her back up again, yep. did an Apologize cover, and it was great. But it's not what you expect from her, and that's what makes it great, is because she's bringing the Casey sound, the Casey uniqueness to it, and making it her own. You don't ever yep. really want to hear the, like, that's why cover bands are great and they're used for weddings, is because they're able to replicate, and that's its own set of talents. But that's not what, as an artist, I'm trying to do. I'm trying to make my right. own sound and bring my own unique print and... That, that can be difficult in this like industry as a lot of people are like, who are you? They need to put you in a box. They need to be able to be like, this is where she is. But the best artists, Billie Eilish, I mean, Noah Kahn, like all these people are creating their own little avenues in this industry. Yeah. That's what sets them apart. And that's what gets people hooked. Yeah, for sure. And um, to your point on, on like, the covers that you don't expect. I'm a big pop punk and emo fan. Mm -hmm. uh, Bayside's one of my favorite bands of all time. And they did a cover of Rainbow by Casey Musgrave. Yeah, and it's, and I'm sure it's it such a unique killer. spin. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's such and that's, a unique what spin. that's what excites you, excites people. And I know for me, like I struggled at Berkeley. We do a lot of performance classes and a lot of teachers just want you to sing the song exactly how it is. And sometimes it's a good training exercise and it helps you train vocally. But for me, it was always so difficult because I wanted to put my print, my, my self onto the song. And that like, wasn't necessarily always received. Yeah. So. Well, and it's, I mean, I get the, the theory and the concept of it, yeah. right. But there's not two voices in this world that are exactly the same whether it's no. the tone or the inflection, the octaves, whatever. So on the one hand, like, yeah, cool. I get what the intent is, mm -hmm. but why would I not want just my own little spin on it? Even if it's yeah. just not necessarily changing the structure of the song, just how I present. Totally. It's, it's the, what we're looking for in this world. You know, we, we don't realize it. Like I've said, it's just people are like, I love Blink-182, whereas another Blink-182, but it's like, no, you, you have Blink-182. You, you're looking for something different. You're just not realizing that someone's going to give you something that's like along those lines, but new and refreshing. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I think, you know, again, not to, to harp on that, but I think it is so apparent, especially when that band that comes up or that artist that comes up and it's like, oh, they sound a lot like this person. Mm -hmm. After the second time, you're like, okay, cool. They sound like this person, like do something original. <laughs> Too, seriously. I mean, like Olivia Rodrigo, she's got her own thing going, but she is always being compared to Taylor Swift. And yeah, like, you don't want to be compared to Taylor Swift. Like there's just no comparison to her right. or like, you know, the people opening for Taylor Swift, like Phoebe Bridgers, Gracie Abrams, like they aren't Taylor Swift, but that's what makes them great and make, and gives them the capability to open for someone like her. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, let's talk some more about the experience at, at Berkeley because yeah. it is such a renowned school when it comes to, to music. It's, 
kind of funny, you know, people don't think about it, but unless it gets brought up, but like, there's really only two schools of music that anybody recognizes the names of. And it's Juilliard, which is going to be yeah. your more classically trained. And then Berkeley, which is yeah. everything. Um, so what's it like going through kind of that and especially being exposed to so many unique variables, um, whether it's the diversity of the class, the teachers, Mm -hmm. things like that, how did that help you kind of shape what you wanted to be? Yeah. So I actually transferred to Berkeley. I started my college career at Belmont university, which is in Mm -hmm. Nashville and that's becoming more and more known. And it's, if you're going to be a country writer, country artist, that's usually where you're where you will go and a lot of pop kids are coming here too which is really interesting but it ended up not being the perfect fit for me so I transferred and I haven't wanted to go to Berkeley I was just like I didn't want to go to a full music school I didn't know if it would be best for me mentally it just wasn't in my wheelhouse so when I was transferring I was like what do I want to do so I trans I applied to Berkeley and I kind of went through it not really sure and when I got in I was like it's music. I want to do music and I'm going to do this and I'm going to do it for my career, for myself to get better. And it happened to be the best decision for me. I think for a lot of people, it can like dry them out, dry out their musical soul. But for me, I spent most of my life, you know, balancing music on top of life. So to go somewhere and be like a hundred percent music was new for me. And it only like made me more passionate and more driven towards this goal um, but Berkeley is like this little in, like environment that feels like a test into the industry because yeah. we're all going after the same thing. We're all trying to do the same thing. So when you're put around all these people who have the same like drive, the same passion, the same wishes, the same dreams, it's like, oh my gosh, how do I stand out here? How do I make it? How do I survive? Um, but it gives you those tools to come out of school and be like, I can withstand this. I can do this. And I know I'm good enough. Um, for me, it really helped make me a more well-rounded musician. I didn't do a lot of theory growing up. I didn't do like classical training. So the things that Berkeley forces you to do really do make you a better musician. I know there's a lot of people who don't necessarily feel like you have to go to school and you don't go after your, do your own path, do whatever. For me, it was important and I had the ability to go to school. So I did. Um, But it really, it pushed me and I hadn't struggled in school until I got to Berkeley and I was being tested on all these things that I was like, I have no idea. And you just have to figure it out. So I think that I'm really grateful for that experience. And I came out of it a lot more equipped to go after my dreams, but it is, I mean, you're around a lot of different people. It's cool. Yeah. And I, I think, you know, the interesting thing you mentioned there is some of the stuff that they force you to quote unquote, force you to go through. (laughs) Um, But, you know, like music theory, sure. Depending on the type of band you're, you're going to be in or whatever, what your aspirations are, maybe you don't need like classic music theory. However, knowing that sort of stuff, really gives you an arm up on being yeah. able to develop a song and know, okay, if I, if I take this hook, I can lead it into this bridge and this yeah. can go into this. And you, you get a lot more, I guess a little more confidence in yeah. knowing that this structure is going to work. It's been proven through, you know, hundreds totally. of years. At this point. And I think it also teaches you the balance, which is what I really needed. Cause I went into Berkeley, like very emotionally driven in my music. And, you know, I held it so close to my chest, so close to my heart. And I was like, don't touch my songs. Like, how could you touch my songs? But Berkeley touching my songs, ripping my songs apart, being like, this is what you can do. You know, it made me better. And I think what I'm like, I've slowly been coming back to is that balance of like who I was before I entered Berkeley, who I was after I left and finding like the middle ground, because I do think you need to be emotionally driven in your music. I think to some degree, you need to like make sure that your individualism is held in the heart of that song, but yeah. also using the tools that you were taught to make it the best song possible to translate to as many people as possible. So finding that middle ground is important. And I think it can be like, you can go both ways at school. I mean, I saw people who were like, so attached to their songs that they just like never 
let them improve. And then people who were like so detached that they became like robotic songs. So it's really important to find that middle ground. Yeah. And I, I think, you know, not to knock on anybody in the pop industry necessarily, but with pop artists, especially, I think you see some of that where there's, you know, 14 people writing the song, the the mm-hmm. vocalist maybe wasn't even one of them. Yep. They're just up there singing karaoke for lack of a better term. Yeah. And it's like, okay, but where's, where's the passion? Where's the fun? Well, this is what I think is really interesting is that I think more and more with like social media, with uh, TikTok and everything, people are realizing what songwriters are. Um, but it is interesting to me when people are like, get Justin Bieber, for example, his album, when, he's making an album songwriters are losing their minds trying to get the cut they are trying right. to get justin bieber's album because it will be selling millions and millions and trillions yeah. so when people are like justin bieber wrote this song and it's about his wife and this and i'm like he didn't he's not even a writer on that song this is about this one writer said it was about his grandmother passing away and people are now trying to translate it to justin's life and yes justin picked it and yes it's on his album but It's just crazy to me that people don't realize that like these songwriters, this is about their lives. This is about somebody that you don't even know their name and it's beautiful and it means a lot, but it has nothing to do with Justin. Yeah. (laughs) But Justin is a great vocalist and there is something to be said for being an artist. And that's why songwriters have careers. And for me, like I'm in the middle, you know, I love songwriting just as much as I love being an artist. So that for me makes it easier to write my truth, but it is interesting. And I, I have been coming out of this pop bubble because Berkeley for me, I landed in the pop uh, world of things. Right. So while I was studying as a songwriter, you can audition for classes to get into. And you usually end up with like, you know, the best songwriters in the school and you're just doing a lot of co-writing and it's like under two minute songs, verse, chorus, verse, chorus, bridge, chorus out. And like, you have to make sure if it two thirty maybe, and right. I got really trapped in this cycle of trying to write, write a hit. And, you know, it affected me. Like, I feel like I'm just coming out of it now and just like getting myself back to this, like part of me where it's like, I need to like the song. It needs to be true to me. And when it's going to be a hit, it's going to be a hit, but yeah. it's really hard to come out of that because we're so wired to be like, we know the formula. And like so many of my friends are doing it and they're killing it in Los Angeles and they are doing the formulas and it is true, but I don't know, at least as an artist to be someone like Taylor Swift, you can't follow a formula. There's nothing formulaic about what she does. Yeah, no. And I, I think, you know, it goes into a big topic that I talk about, which is authenticity within music, right? Like authenticity breeds a fan base that's loyal, a fan base that's supportive, a fan base that feels like they know who you are through your music. And without that, you know, how many Taylor Swifts are there going to be in the world? Not many, right? Like we we (laughs) all know. Once in a million, like there's no dream of mine where I'm like, oh, I'm going to be a Taylor Swift. (laughs) Right. (laughs) She's too one. (laughs) Like, you know, to get to that tier next to nothing, and that's not a knock on you or anyone else, but like, it's just such a, uh, insane yeah. skill level, but to be able to make it to a point where A, you're comfortable, B, you're still loving your music, yep. authenticity is what's going to drive that. And I think mm-hmm. that's what does get lost sometimes, especially in that pop realm where you are following that formula and going, okay, here's my structure. I'm never going to deviate from it, even yep. though, you know, I had this terrible event happen to me. I'm not going to write about it. And it's like, but that terrible event is possibly what's going to connect those fans to you. Totally. A hundred percent. And I think it's even worse now with TikTok is like, as an artist, when I'm going to meetings with people and they're like, what's your engagement on TikTok? And I have very low engagement. I'm like immediately off the table. You know, it's just the way the industry is functioning right now. And you're like, but I know what I could do, go sit in my car, get a random boy off the street to pretend to be my ex-boyfriend and be mm-hmm. like, I'm going to play my ex-boyfriend this song. And it gets people interested in It does. In you. It's so cheesy. And like, <laughs> I know, but it's you can see through it. People, but <laughs> it's just, it's not what works for me. And I always say this is like, 
these people that have interacted with me in my life who have left impacts on my life, the last thing I would want to do is sit there on my phone and be like, my ex-boyfriend, like that is just so odd to me and yeah. so inauthentic to me. And I think it does work for some people, but it's really hard, I think, as artists right now to stay true to that authenticity and like know that in some way it's going to work out for you because I think it will. I think that's how this industry functions is if you keep your head down, your luck will strike. It's just whether or not you're willing to keep your head down for long enough for the luck to come. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, but it, it is, you know, you really do. I agree. You have to stay authentic because that's what translates. People can sniff out the BS. They will. Yeah. We know we can sense it. So I think that's why like Justin Bieber's his songs still do well because you know he has writers who are writing real things right. and he's just a really talented artist and vocalist and he's able to sing these songs and you know they still have the emotional integrity that they have um yeah. but yeah yeah it, it is interesting though like I there's one story that I love telling when we talk about like I don't talk about the meaning behind songs anymore yeah. because I've been doing music journalism for 20 years now yeah. uh, but I just don't want to take away that meaning that anybody connects to it you made mm -hmm. you know some of those comments too but there's this really great interview between uh Dave Grohl and uh Kelly Clarkson yeah. and she's talking about how much she loves the song Learn to Fly and she's mm -hmm. she thinks it's like this profound thing you know she's like I love all your metaphors in it and he's like that's really beautiful I appreciate that I just wanted to learn how to fly a fucking plane like I literally wrote that song about trying to learn how yeah. to fly. And someone got what they needed from it. And I say that all the time. It's like, someone's going to connect to something in your song. It might not be what you're thinking about. And then, like, you know, I wrote like my most recent single, the song, the lyric that meant the most to me was, I bet that six pack of beer you get ain't the one that we used to have. And like, it seems like the dumbest line, but it's just like, thinking about somebody going and buying something because it's convenient because it's a cheap beer because it's around the block, you know, yeah. and it gets all these wheels spinning for me. And that's the way I connect to it. Like someone's going to find that line that you're not thinking about that metaphor you're not thinking about. And it's going to be like, this is what I've been thinking. This is what I've been feeling. And that's what's so cool about music is that people can find themselves in it. And it may be in a way that you didn't even find yourself in it. Yeah. Yeah, it's, you know, it's an interesting thing. Music is, it's going to sound so cheesy and cliche, but it really is like a universal language. It, it doesn't is. matter, you know, literal language in the sense of, you know, if someone speaks Spanish and hears your song, whatever, yeah. like they'll connect differently to it. But like, even within the same literal language, people connecting different phrases or the metaphors connecting differently because they see it in their life and they're like, Oh, that really reminds me of this moment. And it's like, yeah, totally. cool. I'm glad that works for you. You know, yeah, well, and like the love songs, um, the one I was talking about earlier, ghost of you, it's mm -hmm. about somebody's grandmother passing away and people are relating it to love and, yeah. or Louis Capaldi, one of his songs, someone that it, like one of his songs, he wrote about his grandmother. And people yeah. are like, it's their wedding song. And I'm like, that is just nuts. <laughs> yeah. You know, like that is two different types of love, but yeah. people are finding what they want and need from it. Yeah. And I think it, it's an interesting thing. And, you know, hopefully people, um, you know, don't dive in too deep, right? Like mm -hmm. in the sense that obviously some songs are, there's deep meanings there, but I mean, like you don't want to fall in love so much with a song that you do the research to find out what it's really about and then break that connection for yourself that you went yeah. oh shit like he wrote that about his dog dying like that had nothing <laughs> unless to do with you're this. a songwriter <laughs> then i encourage you to dig as deep as possible because right. it That's will fair. make you a better songwriter you know i listen to like all the podcasts i read all the stories and it is like it will drive you at least as a songwriter it'll drive you creatively creatively um to make you a better songwriter to always have ideas it will it will give you that spark i believe yeah for sure uh let's dive into a little bit of the the songwriting and the songwriting circles in nashville i've yeah. had a few artists on that that have you know partake partake in, in those <laughs> um and it's really interesting right like it is a very unique vibe when you're walking into some of those rooms and mm -hmm. you're either with people that have been in the industry for 
decades or yeah. days. And totally. talk about what kind of goes into sitting down, you know, four, six, eight hours and trying to hash out, you know, let's put this song together and let's move this hook here. Like yeah. what's that feel and, and kind of concept for you? Totally. It is literally like going on a first date and it's, it can be the worst six hours of your life or it can be the best six hours of your life. You go and we chat about life usually for like a solid two hours. And especially like if I'm the artist and I'm just getting to know somebody, like we're just talking about life. And then usually for me, it's like, what can we rip out of that? That's a song. And that's yeah. how I was also like at Berkeley, how you're like taught to co-write is like, go have those chats, you know, learn about each other. And then when something stands out to you about something that they said, bring it back up. And that's how you start, how you will start your song. I will say as an introvert, like songwriting will drain me co-writing, you know, because I come home and I'm like, I can't talk to anybody for, you know, a long time. Um, But I do have to say Nashville has been like the warmest welcome. And that's not to be said for everywhere in this industry. So I feel really, really grateful for the circles I've fallen into here for the friends I have, because people are willing to introduce you to anybody. And that is unique. You know, people really try to protect their connections in this industry. And for bad or good reason, it, you know, it happens. And here they're like, this is my friend so-and-so and you should write with them and you should hear Jordan. She's a great artist. So doors are just constantly being opened. So you just need to walk through them. And like you said, you could be writing with someone who's been here for decades. You could be writing with someone who's been here for five minutes. I say go into the room because you don't know what's going to come out of it. Um, you never know who's going to be that perfect fit. Who's going to be your, that perfect date, because it really is like figuring out who works, who doesn't work. And I think that's also interesting is like, you're going to be put in rooms with really, really great songwriters, but maybe you guys aren't a perfect match. And I think that's okay. Just because they can write number ones doesn't mean they have to write your number one. And doesn't mean you guys are going to have like, we're going to have this great relationship you got to find somebody that pulls the best things out of you, at least as an artist. If I'm going in to write for somebody else, like you find your spot in that room and you do what you can to help that artist get the best song for themselves. But when I'm sitting there, like I want people to help me get to my best version of a song and not just write a song because it's going to be a hit. So there's a lot of different aspects to these rooms and you've got to find your spot in there and songwriters talk about this a lot it's like you could be the person who's more on the melody that day you could be the person who's more the lyric writing you could be the person that's literally just like the middleman that day and you're like just finding like you know keeping the waves from two people who are having like constant ideas and meeting in the middle because that's important too and it's it's a lot (laughs) but every (laughs) session is different and it's there's no science to it um, but you know, Nashville, usually if you're in a writing room, there's, you know, a drink in there. So there's, there's fun to it too. You know, yeah. people are usually going out for beers after and I can get behind that. Yeah, for <laughs> sure. And I, I think, you know, the, the interesting thing is as well, Nashville's pretty unique in this, obviously New York has some LA, but with the songwriting circles, you know, like the connections that you make and being able to maybe walk out of today's session and feel like you didn't accomplish anything. Right. Mm -hmm. But then three days later, you go into the next room and you go, Oh shit. Like that thing that we talked about the other day will fit in this scenario instead. Totally. It's, it's like, you gotta be okay with failing every few sessions. You're not going to get a hit in it. You shouldn't. It's not natural. That's just not the way the world works unless maybe you're Taylor Swift. Um, And she writes a lot alone. So that's interesting as well. But you really have to be okay with like going into a session and maybe not getting a song, but getting something else out of it. Like you said, those connections building towards them, you know, it's also like relationships. Sometimes a friendship takes a little bit more time to get comfy cozy. Sometimes you guys feel like you've been best friends for ages. Like the first time you sat down and that's going to go the same way with these connections. It's just going to take wiggle room or it's going to be fire and sparks and you just got to take everything on and be okay with what each relationship is and get the most you can from it 
and you know continue to open doors for other people I think that's really important is like in this karmic cycle of what we're all doing is what people give to you give back because yeah. that's what's going to help everybody and you in the end but and let's be very honest gatekeeping is for fucking punks right like <laughs> you need to learn that quickly you're like oh my gosh shield everything like yeah if you're gonna be it if you're if what's gonna happen to you is gonna happen to you nobody else can prevent that so as right. soon as you get that straight you're good because like we were talking about earlier you don't want to be billy eilish there is billy eilish so nobody was gonna take away billy eilish she right. was always gonna be billy eilish so I think that's something that is hard to wrap your head around when you're young and, you know, I'm still pretty young and I'm like, okay, you know, you got to introduce everybody to everybody. They're not going to withhold your success. No. And you, you truly never know who you're going to meet next. You know, yeah. like I can think through, through my career as a music journalist, just being, you know, doing an interview with, you know, let's say you, and then after this, you're like, man, you should really talk to my friend so-and-so because mm -hmm. I think you guys would hit it off. I've had that happen countless times through my career or, yeah. you know, I do concert photography, shooting a show. And then one of the other bands seeing your photos and being like, Hey, would you come shoot our show? Mm -hmm. Like you just never know where you're going to oh. elevate to. Yeah. And no, like, that's why I said, like, right with the person who's been here for five minutes, you're not better than them. Yeah. Uh, and you, you, you really aren't. And when, you you're the first person here and like I feel like I've been here for five minutes people taking a chance on me that's you know I'm so grateful and it's like you want to be the, the person who does that later and yeah. you know so yeah yeah for sure so let's dive into some of your your songs you've got a few on Spotify already yeah. um talk about one of the things I love asking about is the fucking nervous wreck that you become when you create this baby and then it's like okay yeah. I'm gonna put it out in the world now what yeah. what's that like for you it's awful um <laughs> <laughs> it's just so difficult to get over the fact that you know people maybe not listening to your music or not receiving your music is not an attack on yourself um it, like I talked about you know these songs are like so close to me like they feel like putting myself out to the world, you know, right. on a platter, yeah, like yeah. here I am, you can judge me, you can criticize me, this is me. Um, so that's really difficult. But if you're gonna be here, if you're gonna do this, you absolutely 110% have to do that. And you have to be okay with whatever reception the songs get. Um, but yeah, I mean, my Spotify is, it's a big mix of things right now right. Um, i'm launching off now as a pop country artist but that's just with convenience store what i've released previously is primarily pop and it's a lot of what i did in school mm -hmm. and i think it's very reflective of that and i think that's okay because you know artists progress and we change and that was the period of my life i was in i was at a pop school i was writing a pop kids and pop producers and I was like okay this is what I'm doing and then you know coming out of all of it I was like this is what I really want to do um yeah. so that's a journey too and that's like you go through this should I delete things because everything feels so permanent on the internet now um but I think it's okay to show that progression but coming back to what you're asking about you it is so anxiety ridden and I am such an overthinker and there is no part of me that is not like no well there are parts of me that aren't insecure but <laughs> I become massively insecure I'm like oh my goodness like everyone's gonna hate this and you also listen to these songs a thousand times before they're right. released so you just convince yourself they're the worst songs you've ever heard in your <laughs> life you're like how did I think this was good and your manager's like hey this is going out in a week and you're like I don't think so like, right. but you just have to you have to stick to it and you have to know that there's a reason that you went through this process with this song and it's going out in the world for a reason so I think every every release is a step forward and you know one step closer to that one song you know hitting and making its big footprint in the world yeah, yeah for sure um, I want to touch on bubble to start with, uh, because I think, you know, obviously convenience store is the first one that got pitched to me, but going through your, your discography, if you will, um, bubble is the one that I think for me immediately hearing it lyrically, I was like, okay, I've been in that spot, you know, 
you you talk about people feeling like that you should have your shit together because you dress well or whatever and it's like yeah. okay but that doesn't really fucking matter like i'm no. still a human being you know yeah uh, I, totally so with that like you're clearly obviously it's still in metaphor to some extent but you're clearly talking about like mental health and persona within that we've talked about authenticity how important was it for you to put out a song like that where you're saying like it it can look like this is the perfect instagram picture but just know it took 342 tries for me Mm -hmm. to get that yeah i completely have like high functioning like anxiety and you know I think it's really hard because I know exactly what to say. I know how to come across okay. Um, and it's something I even struggle with my therapist. I'm like, <laughs> I'm not sure she knows how badly I'm struggling inside. So it's really hard. And I think I grew up in a place where, you know, I was very worried to come across not having it 110% together. and. I have a great family and I have everything I need and I'm so blessed and that can also eat away at you is like oh my gosh I have everything there is literally nothing I should be upset about and it takes a long time to come to the conclusion that like it is just fine to feel sad even though you feel like you don't have a right to so bubble for me was just explaining that I think a lot of people that I grew up with were under the impression that I, you know, I was going to college. I was good. I did it. Like I checked all the boxes, like boyfriend, friends, all of it. And I'm like, no guys, like inside and here I'm crumbling. (laughs) Like it is like, it takes so much out of me to like get out of my head. I'm such an overthinker. I am always thinking about like, you know, I, I just wrote a song the other day. That's like about anxiety like hangover anxiety Mm -hmm. because when I like it takes it took me a while to be okay like drinking and letting loose because I was so scared of what I would say or do and I'm like but it doesn't matter nobody is thinking about you as much as you're thinking about you but I think it was really important for me to have a song where I was like no I really don't have it all together because and it was interesting like the reaction to that song because it was my first release I was gosh 19 and um i hadn't i literally like posted on instagram the day it came out and that was like the first time anybody i grew up with like i didn't really talk about singing growing up i didn't really talk about my songwriting so it was like a lot of people didn't even know i did this so it was like a lot (laughs) unfolding at once a lot coming to light but it really resonated with people and you know you got to burst that bubble because even though you got up, you got dressed, you went to the gym, you ate breakfast, it doesn't mean you're not, you know, crying in the corner every once in a while. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, for sure. And it, it's funny you mentioned the overthinker thing, because I'm a prime example of it as well. And I use that joke at, at work all the time where at my day job, you know, I'll, I'll put out a presentation for somebody to do a review. And I'm like, really, you're not going to hurt my feelings. Like, tell me, cause I've already thought of all 9,000 things <laughs> that are wrong with this. So yeah, I've already said it to myself. I just need you to say it so that I know I was right. Totally. And it's so <laughs> difficult to be in the creative space and be like that because yeah. you really have to commit to a decision. And I'm like, when we were talking about releasing earlier, I'm like, Ooh, I could have done this. I could have done that. But searching for that perfectionism is going to hold you back yes. so much. If you are constantly seeking perfect life, perfect persona. Like you are never going to progress. You are never going to succeed. So I've come to this place where I'm like, get it to a point. I feel good. And, you know, release it because something can always be better and something will always be better. So you just gotta go, you gotta do it. It's hard. And I I forget, I'm going to have to paraphrase the quote because I don't remember who it's from, but there's a quote about art and music is obviously art, but Mm -hmm. it's that art is never done it's always being interpreted. It's always ever changing, whether it's in a literal sense where you're going back through and restructuring a song or in the sense of it being out in the world to be interpreted. There's a million different interpretations that are going to come out of it. And people are critiquing you and you're like, Oh no, (laughs) right. (laughs) You just gotta be okay with it. And you know, I was raised by a journalist, so it's just like, I, I've had that person who's been in a creative like 
outlet and they that's my dad's job and he's been a great representation to me of like people aren't always gonna like you but as long as you like you as long as you know what you're doing is good that's what matters and for him like it's a lot of knowing what he's doing is like true and he's seeking out justice for people and like you know that is you know he is brave but it's it's also I'm, I'm brave too. I mean, all musicians are brave. We're brave yeah. to go. And you think back to like when American Idol was just starting out and the people they would have walk up there. I mean, now they vet people. You have to go right. through like three or four rounds before you're even allowed to blind audition on any of these shows. Yeah. Which I think a lot of people don't realize. No, but, and it's it's oxymoronic too, right? Like yeah. it's not a blind audition no. at this point. <laughs> the voice is like four rounds of like being pre-vetted to become on the show. And, you know, but I don't think they did that back in the day when American Idol first started. The people they had coming on, I was like brave. But you need that confidence sometimes. You really do. Yeah, I I think, you know, also to your point about, you know, bravery and whatnot, I think it's cautiously that I say this, but putting the music out is brave because there is such a high potential for others to see themselves in your songs and start, man, thank you so much for putting that out. Like I mm-hmm. needed that. And it makes you reaffirms what you've done is yeah. the right thing. Well, I was just, I literally posted a TikTok before I came on this, which, you know, TikTok's going to be the death of me, but that's okay. Yeah. Um, but one girl, you know, it got a hundred views and stopped, but one girl commented and she was like, you were so talented. I really hope this goes viral. And, you know, I was like, that made my day. Like right. there was one person who thought this song was good enough to go viral. Great. You know? And I really right. like, that's a stranger I've never met. So when you think about it, I love, I can't, I'm going to horribly par- paraphrase this quote, but it's like, when you think about it, a hundred people liking your photo, that's like a hundred people coming up to you and saying they like you. Well, can you imagine a hundred people right. coming up to you and being no, like, no, because I'm an introvert like as well. That'd be uncomfortable <laughs> as fuck. No, totally. But I'm like, you have to think about social media like that because yeah. the numbers start to seem so small, but a hundred's a lot of people, you know, five people complimenting you when you're just like standing, that's a lot of compliments. And they start to seem so minuscule when we're like in like interacting on this massive like platform but it, it's important, like the engagement, no matter how small it may seem, is still very concrete, real engagement. And that's what keeps me going on social media, at least, because, you know, when those numbers aren't great and you're like, oh, shoot, like this is going to affect me progressing. This is going to affect my career. Like the numbers aren't showing up. But then there's like one person who's like, this is what I need to hear today. And yeah. you're like, well, that's really fucking awesome. (laughs) And I'm glad that I was able to do that for you because that's why I do this. I don't do this for the fame, for the whatever, you know, I do need a little bit of money because we all do, but (laughs) corporate America. Yeah. (laughs) Yes. We are living, we just need it to survive. So, um, but that you really, and like going back to the first thing we said, when we sat down, it's like, you have to be in this because it is inherently who you are, inherently what you love. You can't be in it for anything else because it's really hard. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, so let's kind of walk through after Bubble, you have Even If and When Summer Ends, starting to to kind of shift the focus a little bit, but not too much towards the, the countryside of it. Yeah. Um, still, you know, in the pop era, if you will. Yes. Um, <laughs> but talk about, you know, again, every one of these is a step forward. It's a a step up the ladder, whatever Mm -hmm. you want to call it. Um, Talk about working through, you know, taking what you learned on bubble and then going, okay, for this one, we need to do this type of production or for this, you know, I really liked what we did over here. How did, how have you seen your own personal evolution through those songs? Totally. Um, I think a big thing for me and like this slow little 
progression towards country um, is my vocals. You know, that's, they're very important to me. My voice is a big part of my artistry and a big part of what sets me apart um, a lot of the time. So finding someone who can produce my vocals to the place I want them to be is difficult, especially when you're working on a budget. (laughs) So (laughs) that's like, I'm very fortunate to have gone to school with extremely talented people who are willing to work with me on what I can afford, you know, to put out. And I think a lot of people don't realize that is like we're out here funding these songs and it's it's not cheap. Um, so Berkeley is also I have to be extremely grateful because they gave me this network of people who are mm-hmm. at the same position in their career that I am and we're all helping each other out. Um, yeah. So that's like anybody can knock on my door, you know, and I'd hope that the same hand is extended to me. Um, but I think even if, um, I found a wonderful producer and I just knew she was talented off the bat and I was really, really grateful for that. And my only thing with even if is that it came out of my pop era, you know, it came out of when I was at Berkeley and I was very much in that first chorus, first chorus, bridge chorus, like that package. But I think it was also a great song and it showed off what I can do in that genre of music. And because I I like to work through a lot of genres and I don't think that'll change. Like I want there to be influences from everywhere. I want that to be heard. I want that to be felt. But even if it was a step in like a vocal step up, you know, a step up. And I think melodically for me, um, Mm -hmm. just knowing how to write a better ear catching song than I could with bubble. Um, And then getting to when the summer ends, like, I just wanted everything stripped. And I think that was like me slowly being like, I just want country. I want acoustic. I want live. Yeah. I want the band. I want to feel like the band is here. <laughs> yeah. And um, that's when the summer ends. It's really just guitars and it's my voice. And that's like how I write my songs, you know, and I don't want that to be lost in my music is like, I'm not going to be EDM. I'm not going to be like, highly electronic uh i'm influenced by like 70s laurel king and singer songwriters like that is like the people i look at and i'm like in love with and i love like the eagles and fleetwood mac and these bands that write and you know when they were writing they were writing and bringing in their songs to they these bass players made their parts and these drummers made their parts so i think that's really cool and that's something that I think country still really has strongly going for it is this really natural feel to the music. Um, and that's why I think I'm here is like along with so many other things and so many other influences, but it's where I fit with what I want to do with my music. You know, I want it to be as live and real as possible. And not that these other songs aren't because God, what these producers can do is just like, magic i (laughs) never could i ever and you know berkeley i'll hand to them they really try to push you as much as possible to be a producer in any form and i'm like ooh, that is one step out of the line that i cannot do i'll figure out how to record my vocals and record my guitar and be able to send my demo but i'm (laughs) not gonna be able to do the rest of it and i think that's just fine yeah um But yeah, and so when the summer ends, it was just like really an acoustic song and I was happy with it. I am happy with it. Um, And then we got to convenience store and, you know, it's poppy as well. And I think it's a good balance between that acoustic, that pop and now country. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. But it definitely, I've been through, you know, I don't know who I am and I still, I won't for a very long time. So it's, it's a journey. (laughs) Yeah. But I I think, you know, again, going back to the authenticity, it's okay that you don't know who you are and that you're, you're exploring things, especially this day and age where everybody's fucking lost. Let's be very real about it. Like, (laughs) look at your for you page and tell me that you don't know what the fuck's going on. You know, because we're all, we're all like talking about these things and it's like, Oh, you feel that too. Okay. Good. good, Cause I do too. (laughs) Right. Um, The thing I, I really like about convenience store. It, it definitely is kind of this, it's an intentional step into the country realm. Mm -hmm. Um, But I think what I, I love about it is even though you know, when I first heard it, there, there's no visuals, right? Like mm-hmm. I kind of had an idea of who you were just based on the the press release, 
but I can picture this song, you know, I can yep. picture the, the story. Mm -hmm. um, and you've got this incredible talent of being able to take words and really paint the picture to where, you know, as dumb as it's going to sound, a blind guy can see the music video. You know what yeah. I mean? Like it's there. It, and I have to thank Brianna Nelson, my co-writer on the song as well, because she yeah. really helped. And this is the first song I've released with a co-writer. So, right. Yeah. Yeah. I just, I think it's, it's really a, a testament to where you're at already in, in this career. Um, not to harp on your age. I mean, 23 years old and already, you know, producing a, a library of content that is, I think more refined than someone at 23 typically should be. <laughs> and, I, and I mean that in the best way possible. <laughs> I appreciate it. Yeah. yeah. Um, talk a little bit about, you know, we, you touched on it with the, the cost. I love talking about this because mm -hmm. people do not fucking get it no. as an independent DIY artist. You don't have to throw the exact numbers, obviously, yeah. but what goes into it? You know, it's thousands of dollars for mm -hmm. some of these production meetings or not meetings, but mixing and masterings and things oh. like that. So for you, like, how much of a roadblock do you feel like it is? You know, what, what does it do to your, not necessarily self-esteem, but like your drive to like how frequently you can put something out? It's difficult. Um, you know, school costs a lot. Life costs a lot. Feeding yourself costs a lot these days. Yeah. Um, I like coffee and that costs a lot. <laughs> <laughs> Working out, going to a gym. It's like all yeah. these things you're like, crap. Um, <laughs> but you know, I've always, always worked. Um, and I think I was very fortunate to live in a house where things were provided for me. I had a roof over my head. Um, I had the ability to get places and come home. And then whatever money I made, it was like my choice, save it and do what I could. And then, you know, pay for school and all that. Um, but it is now like as a adult out of the nest, you know, like figuring it out is like, I mean, doing the worth worst mathematics equation. I'm sure some finance guy out here could come tell me how I'm not supposed to spend money on clothes. But right. I, I have this argument too, because it's half of my brand, you know, like right. I am a brand, I am showing up and showing up as myself as an artist. And like my clothes matter as much as people might want to say they don't, they do yeah. <laughs> like putting myself together matters. My, I have my guitar, I have my voice. So you know, you have to release music in order to progress, right? But what you can afford to do is a big stepping stool between you and moving forward in this career. And I've been lucky enough to have people like work with me and work with me at a budget I can work at, um, but still, still costs money. Yeah. So as much as like having those connections is helpful and has helped me like substantially, it's still like, how do I balance this and what song? Cause you have to be so choosy and picky, you know, right. um, to pick which song to release. So, you know, convenience store, I was like, okay, it's this song, but then there's so many, I, I write like so many songs a week that will yeah. never be heard. <laughs> right. And it's just because I have to be choosy. It's not the industry that people used to hear you. And then a record label would fund you, you know, that's not where we're at in this day and age. A lot of times it's like, you're putting things out. And once you progress and you get the streams and you get everything, then somebody will invest in you once they see that you can, you're worth being invested in. And that's right. fair. I mean, that's but whatever, but I don't have this like pocket full of change that I can constantly just be like here, here, here. So it's really hard to be picky and progress. Um, yeah, it, it, yeah. I don't know. it's you, like you said, people don't know about mixing. People don't know about mastering, um, paying to get like professional shots done, like photos, mm -hmm. you know? So like when someone's pitching me to you, they're like, yeah. who is this girl? What does she look like? And my manager's like, this picture's from a year ago. And I'm like, yeah, but you got to wait till I get home. My mom can pull out her cannon and right. I can sit there <laughs> and I don't got to pay my mom because she brought me into this world. Right. <laughs> um, but it is like, they don't see the nitty gritty. Um, yeah. And then it's 
difficult. Like you need somewhere to live and you need to make sure you're going out with your friends and getting a drink because it's very important to have a life outside of music. Yeah. You know, your happiness is just as important as like building this career. Um, and I think that's like something that gets ignored a lot is like, you know, finding that life work balance of music because people are always like 110%, run yourself into the ground. You know, you yeah. got to give your soul. But it's yeah. like, what do you do when your soul's in the gutter and so is your career? <laughs> like, right. Where are you left? <laughs> yeah. So I find it very important that I still carve out the time in my life for myself. So there's things like that are non-negotiable for me, but that costs money as well. So it's it's a balancing act that you know, I'm still learning how to do. And, and I, I mean, I host this, I run socials, I, you know, worked, I was a manager at, the, at a boutique for like the entire fall, like I am nannying, yeah. doing it all. <laughs> yeah. and, and coming home and doing this. So it's a lot. Yeah, yeah for sure. And I, I think, you know, two points in that number one, the whole hustle culture has gotten way fucking out of control. Mm -hmm. The you have to be 110% all the time, even in your sleep. Like you can only sleep four hours a night because you should be doing it. No, I, I need to, to fucking, time. yeah, like <laughs> I need to fucking live. All right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but number two, I do think that gets lost sometimes. And I feel like it's starting to get better as mental health is, is talked mm -hmm. about more. But like people assume that, you know, you mentioned like, Justin Bieber, Louis Capaldi, like Taylor, for that matter, they're, they're all still human beings. And I think sometimes that gets forgotten that maybe they can't perform a show as well as they'd like because their totally. voice is thrashed or whatever. People but that's are okay. So they're a person. Tough on, yeah. like, especially Justin Bieber. And I'm like, aren't we, didn't, aren't we also having the same conversation that mental health matters and is just as real as an illness as someone literally having you know, a physical illness. Yeah. So it's, it's just wild because when you sit back and think about the fact that Taylor Swift is just as human as you, and she is out here performing three hours straight, no break for three nights in a row. It's just like, Oh my God. I, I, it's unbelievable. And yeah. I need a break from what I'm doing. <laughs> right. <laughs> so. Yeah. It, it's, I don't even remember exactly when that clicked for me. It was through music journalism that that sort of stuff kind of clicked for me after doing this for a few years, you know, I stopped getting nervous doing interviews and mm -hmm. no matter what level of person I was talking to. And I had friends that are like, well, like, aren't you, aren't you nervous or are you going to fanboy or whatever? And I'm like, no, it's just a person. Like it really is. It, it's yeah. just me. They happen to, to have a million followers on social media and, produce music that I enjoy. But at the end of the day, his name's Ryan. He, you know what I mean? Like he grew up whatever. in Ohio. He right. Like, parents. like yeah. and that's why all I will always be grateful for being the youngest child. You know, I have siblings that have made me humble and will keep me <laughs> humble. And if I get to the place I want to be, right. that will be a great like shoulders I can lean on is like having people in your life that like keep you connected to who you are um, outside of this massive dream you have oh you're back you froze for a second i don't know if it was you or me yeah, you it's froze all good too, though so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah <There you laughs> no go. worries um no i think that that's an important thing whether it's family or not too is to have people that are in your corner and are insanely supportive but also at the same time will bring you back down to earth when it's that time you know that like hey Probably. that's really cool you still have fucking rent that's due tomorrow. <laughs> fucking figure it out. <laughs> yeah. Like when I come home, it's like, hey, you're mowing the lawn today. <laughs> like, <Yeah. laughs> that sinks. You're still my kid. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's. I think that's a, a huge. Honestly, it's a huge advantage because mm -hmm. I think it's it's the people that. Forget where they come from, right, that inevitably become the people that they never wanted to be or that end up wasting a lot of money or, yeah. you know, turning to different vices and things like that and, and losing themselves totally. because they didn't have that support system around. Them. Well, I think it's so difficult when you're wrapped up in this um, dream and in this industry to like step outside and realize what at the end of the day, like if I get to stadiums, if I get to selling out tours, like 
am I going to be happy? What's going to make me happy? And, you know, it, it is relationships, it's people, it's love, it's having those things in your life that are going to really bring you happiness. It's not going to be, and I, it is going to be, you know, that does bring some level of joy, right. like no <laughs> doubt. But when that all drowns out, what do you have left? Yeah. And I mean, you know, God forbid, don't wish this on anybody, but you know, there's all kinds of crazy medical things that can happen. Like, what if you lose your voice? What if, you know, God forbid something happens and, and you're not able to sing anymore. Like at the end of the day, the, the people are still there regardless. Yeah. I mean, I was diagnosed with epilepsy a year ago. So that was like this huge life change. You know, I couldn't drive a car. I couldn't live alone. And I just, I actually moved to Nashville a year ago and had to move home because of my epilepsy. And, you know, I'm so fortunate that I had people to go home to, that I had a support system, that I had friends and family that drove me around for six months, uh, like cousin who gave me a place to live in Boston. And I worked at a boutique taking the subway because I couldn't drive a car in Nashville. And then I was flying to Nashville to like do some rights, but coming home because it's expensive to Uber. It's like things happen, you know, and that's like something like, I'm not like grateful to have epilepsy, but grateful to have like those moments in life that like make you very, very grateful, I guess, (laughs) to have the people (laughs) and have the world and have the community support you. Yeah, absolutely. Um, So as we transition to the end here, I uh, bought this game called Hot Takes because I refuse to sit and think of ending (laughs) questions. Uh, So I've been... (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I've I've been picking a couple of them for for different bands and uh, yeah. just kind of randomly. Some of them are really shitty opinions. Some of them are like obvious choices. But mm-hmm. for you, I've got the first one is of the three meals, breakfast is the best. I agree. <laughs> I love breakfast. You know, that's actually I'm going home to Massachusetts in a few weeks, and my dad was taunting me that. You know, my my siblings were both home this weekend celebrating Father's Day and I couldn't be there. And he was like, we're going to go to my favorite breakfast place called Will & Co. And he said, we're going to go. And I was like, that is not fair, Dad. That is not a funny joke. I need to be there. Like their home fries, that omelet, I think about it every day. Yeah. Yeah. I love breakfast. There's so much you can do. Yeah. I, I, I love breakfast food. I hate being up in the morning, so I don't like breakfast itself. How about brunch, though? You know, <laughs> there, there you go. Mosa, yeah. You can have sweet, savory. <laughs> you can choose between the two. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, and let's be honest, like breakfast food for dinner is undefeated. That's oh, never yes. not an option. Silly supper. Does everybody yeah. call it that? You know, I was raised with silly supper once a week. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Totally worth it. Uh, but the second one I've got for you is that crunchy peanut butter is better than smooth peanut butter. I disagree. This I is totally my, disagree. this is my hot take because I, um, I say I'm a good date because I hate crunchy things. So like French fries, I want the soft fries. I'll give you all the crunchy fries. And you know, usually most people lean towards crunchy. Right. And I'm like, uh, I like it soft. I like my cookie soft. I don't like it hard. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. And let's be honest. You mentioned cookies. There is nothing better than a soft baked like warm cookie. Agreed. Agreed. I'm like, oh, that's going to hurt my tooth. I don't want that. You, it's all. Yeah. You. <laughs> yeah. Chips Ahoy are trash unless you drown them in milk, you know, and I have some in my cabinet and I get milk and, you know, I get a lot of hate because I like, I like regular 2% milk, you know, and I love 2% milk. everyone's yeah. soy, everyone's oat. And I'm like, I just like milk and yeah. I will have cookies for dessert a lot of nights because I was raised in a dessert family. We need to have dessert. <laughs> Yeah, I 100% agree with that. Um, So I've super enjoyed this conversation. Um, Kind of for however long it takes you for the the last little bit, do the shameless plugs. Where can people find you online? What's the, you know, best way to interact? We know TikTok now, obviously, but um, yeah, just tell the people what they need to know. Yeah. Um, please listen to convenience store. You can find it on all streaming platforms. Um, the best way to find me, my home base is on Instagram, Jordan Armstrong music. There you can find my TikTok. You can find the link to all convenience store outlets. Um, you can see my daily posting, which includes all the outfits I buy (laughs) that I have to have a reason to wear. Um, I post, you know, music I'm currently writing. I post the shows I'm doing. Um, yeah. And I'm on TikTok, and there's going to be, 
more music very soon. We're entering our country girl era. Um, I like to call myself an East Coast cowgirl because as I am in Nashville, I am still very sarcastic. <laughs> Will be till the day I die. But yeah, you know, look me up Jordan Armstrong Music on most social media. Awesome. Yeah, we'll we'll be sure to link everything, obviously, and blast as much as we can. I'm digging what you're doing. You. Um, really excited to see what what comes next in all of this because I think, you know, I I made the comment earlier about your voice being beyond its years, and I I think you know as long as that persists and and continues, it's not going to take as long as you might think for people oh. to start looking and going. <laughs> wow, what, you know, what is this? So I think you're, you're on the right path for sure. That's the goal. People to be like, what is this? Yeah. <laughs> That's all I can hope for. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. I appreciate it, Jordan. We'll be in touch for sure. And um, I'll keep you posted on like when this goes live and everything like that. So awesome. Thank you so awesome. much. So nice to meet you. Thank you. You too. Bye. See ya. And that was my conversation with Jordan Armstrong. Um, huge shout out to her again for taking the time to have that conversation. Um, and I really, really want you guys to go check her out. Give her a like, share, subscribe, follow. As always, we'll have all the socials linked and everything. Um, but go, you know, play through the, the discography that she does have on Spotify currently. Um, it is relatively small because she is, again, just breaking into the, the scene, but, um, She's got four tracks out. Go give them all a listen. See what you like. Uh, it'd be dope if you guys could really push convenience store for her. Um, I think that vocally she's going to be someone that a lot of people uh, latch onto and recognize the the power of her voice already. Um, you know, like I said there towards the end, as long as she is able to continue with this vocal presence. Um, it's going to to be a big, big benefit for her. Uh, and I think it's going to put her in spotlights much, much faster than uh, someone that just sounds like everyone else. So, again, thank you, Jordan, for taking the time to have this conversation. Um, that's everything I've got for you guys on this episode. I do have some really dope stuff coming up very soon as well. Uh, more episodes, more concert. Uh, photography, things like that. Um, and yeah, just really looking forward to continuing to produce a series of, of quality episodes for you guys. So thank you guys so much for everything you do for me. As always, remember, take care of yourselves, take care of each other, and you make the scene. <laughs>